A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Hey guys, welcome back to Swift-ish. This is Shelby. And this is Ashley. And Shelby is so happy. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I have to regulate my emotions. Um, we are in a place of mourning uh, on Swift-ish podcasts. And, uh, and with the rest of Swifties worldwide, uh, really the whole world is still reeling from this news, this shocking turn of events. Wow. And um, I don't know. How are you processing it, Ashley? Um. Honestly, I'm not shocked. <laughs> and I think it just comes from, and Shelby, you and I had texted back and forth. I don't know if I mentioned it in our last episode or not. Yeah. But I did text you and I was like, I wonder why Joe hasn't been at any of the concerts. Yeah. And yeah. you were kind of like, hmm, doesn't Life really happens. matter. Yeah. It happens. Ooh, and then Taylor changed Invisible String in Texas to The One. You know, we I mean, had, yeah, 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 like yeah. Now that, like, looking back at it all, I, I'm sad for her. I'm a bit, I, I don't know how she's, I mean, she's going to be fine on tour. But so many of the songs on the set list are about Joe. You have, like, the lover era, reputation era, folklore Evermore, Midnight, their songs that are directly inspired by him. Yeah. Well, I guess if anyone's been living under a rock and they are just popping out to listen to us for the first time, news broke Uh, this weekend that Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift broke up after six years together. mm -hmm. Um, Swifties (laughs) just lost their shit, uh, their minds. And um, there was all these – there's like this divide where people are like, oh my gosh, this has been – it was ET broke the news, but then people like posted it as an official story as well. Um, and it's never like, oh, Taylor's team said or Taylor Swift posts this, you know, it's always like sources verified, blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of people were like, this is sad. This is true heartbreak. I'll never walk Cornelia Street again. Other people are like, this isn't true. This is just a lie. This isn't, this, <laughs> this is just like then when they say she's pregnant, I won't believe it until it comes out of Taylor's mouth. And um, it's but- tough. Yeah, Taylor has never confirmed a breakup ever. The only well, thing she did she did Calvin. Calvin she only her retweeted his tweet, so she's never publicly <laughs> said okay. I've broken yeah, up with someone. Yeah, yeah, you know, technically. Yeah, no, it's true, and this just reeks of PR. Like this is how a lot of celebrities release news. Isn't like mm-hmm. Taylor Swift called me up and she told me to share the news that we broke up. It's a source that. Is a source and they release it and they usually do it like quietly and with as least amount of de- with as little detail as possible and just mm-hmm. try to let it go through there. They also released it over the weekend, which is another thing that a lot of high profile people do so that it like hopefully gets buried and it is people aren't reading the news as much on weekends. Um, and yeah, it's in between shows like. The announcement said that they'd been broken up for a few weeks now, so it wasn't new, but it would explain why she waited between the – this is like her first weekend break since starting the tour, Um, and so she released it, you know, the news broke like Saturday, Friday or Saturday, and she goes back on tour this coming Friday in Tampa. Um, So yeah, I think it's pretty verified at this point. I – 
a lot of weird conspiracy theories about like, oh, she's just going to announce Reputation Taylor's version, which would honestly be hysterical. Mm -hmm. Like, I would love if that was the plot twist, but it would mean that she just pissed off every news person that she had relationships with or like she's like a gotcha to the to the press, which the press isn't the problem. It's the greatest witness. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, people. And the poor people who live on Cornelius Street <laughs> in that place. There are so many people, including like Duolingo, that like, yeah. verified account, who are posting things, yeah. leaving flowers, TikToks, pictures in front of Cornelius Street. You thought yeah. that the Lover release weekend was bad? <laughs> this is even worse. The Lover burning down is even worse. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's very interesting to see how the narrative had changed because when ET reported it, it was saying, you know, it wasn't dramatic, you know, it just it was the differences, you know, just a difference. They just like naturally just, grew, like, apart. grew apart. Yeah. And then once people came in and confirmed it, it was kind of like, oh, they've had rough patches before and things worked out. So friends thought that they'd get back to gather um you know after the bubble that they had they just realized that their personality wasn't right <laughs> joe struggled with the taylor's level of fame and the attention to the public uh their personalities were hard to ignore after so many years together they've grown apart so it's really interesting to think a lot of people theorize that it was joe's people who released it to et which is a really interesting like format i've never i don't know if et's ever had breaking exclusive news so a lot of people are like oh joe's people released it to et <laughs> and then taylor was like what the heck surprised and then tree came back and just changed the narrative like oh <laughs> it's joe joe's the problem it's joe yeah you know i because we texted in our group chat about like oh what does this mean like you yeah. and i do like rankle at this like any man who's like suddenly not man enough to like handle his partner being successful or popular or famous or whatever like it's like it gives me the ick um and so yeah it it does in some ways make me like it always seemed like joe would be the one because taylor has like really gone gone all in on this relationship and like Mm -hmm. obviously a relationship can have issues and six years is not a wasted time six years is not a short-lived romance like that's a real commitment and like I think there's plenty of people in this world who would see that time as like a successful good Mm -hmm. relationship yeah and you know this isn't like like (laughs) Calvin Harris like you know there's this toxic dumpster fire of a relationship finally hitting its stride it's it could just be like kind of undramatic but the fact that it is kind of tied back to her fame, it, it does sour the news a little because, again, that's something she's sung about a lot on these last few albums. It's like, oh, I can never give you peace. Like, just FYI, like, we're dancing with our hands tied. Like, mm-hmm. are you okay with this? Like, it's pretty delicate. And um, and so it's sad to imagine that there was this sort of breaking point. And it's also stupid to picture a grown man being like, wait (laughs) what do you mean you have to work (laughs) and I think some people again are like well it's probably not the fame it's probably the crazy fans that are more exhausting to him where it's like he's like I want privacy I want privacy but then all these fans are like DMing his brother or like stalking him on sets and only asking him about Taylor or like 
you know, making embarrassing, asking embarrassing questions on promo tours for his movies. Mm. And like, I'm sure that part could get exhausting as a professional actor, but it's also like, well, you're benefiting from being Taylor's partner. Yes. And if he's learned anything about any of Taylor's past exes, once you're tied to Taylor, people are going to be asking you about (laughs) Taylor, whether you're with her, whether you're not with her. Think of that. Even if you're a sibling, you're going to get asked. And it's just like, I know that he wanted his privacy, which really makes you think that, you know, that was a big push of why they were so clamped down. And a lot of people are like, oh, this fame, he didn't realize after quarantine, they were in a bubble, but they weren't in that big of a bubble. Um, yes, they kept their relationship quiet for the first few months, but then she did reputation. She wasn't talking about the relationship like to the press, yeah. neither was he, but it was like they had two years before quarantine for him to experience this yeah, big and level lover. Yeah. And lover, yes. And then it just makes me think that, like like you said, a lot of the opportunities he has gotten is yeah. because of Taylor. He is not a rising star. We've <laughs> talked about this beforehand, so we're not, like, changing our mind about him. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, he he's a working actor. Who's Joe Alwyn anyway? Ew. Ew. <laughs> One thing that I love that they said in the People article was that Taylor didn't see them working out in the long run. That's what the mm. insider said. Yeah. And the split happened recently was not dramatic. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I, I mean, and that's, you know, we have to remember, like, yes, Taylor's written all these glorious, beautiful love songs, but she's also written Midnight's about other past relationships, whatever. She's also written songs reader. about people she met, like, in a passing glance and, like, would write a love song. She wrote a fictional Romeo and Juliet song, you know, like, mm-hmm. so... While she is inspired and writes diaristically very often, and I'm sure we'll get songs that eventually tie back to Joe or like pull back the curtain maybe more, she's also just a creative songwriter who Mm -hmm. at this point in her 33 years of life has had so many feelings experienced in her heart of hearts that it's it's okay that some of these songs are about people she's no longer in a relationship with Mm -hmm. and it's okay if those songs mean something different than what they did when she first penned them. Mm-hmm. So all these like theories about like, oh my gosh, they've been broken up since like forever because uh, that's why the tour visuals, she burns down the lover house. That's why she wears this or that or like, and it's like, no, that's not likely because the tour has been put together for months on months mm-hmm. at this point. And also this like, oh, she was <laughs> – I don't know. Like, it's like, did she change the one because she could no longer sing Invisible String? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if she sings Invisible String again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said at the Arlington tour that you think you can just Google and see what I'm, I'm yeah. doing? No, you can't yeah. do it. Mm-mm. And oh. obviously, like, people reference, like, Katy Perry getting the divorce news and then having to go on stage right after. And it's like, oh, these double lives. First of all, I think Taylor isn't a great actress and I think she does have a level of like charismatic comfortability on this tour that I've never seen before from her and I think that we have to trust her when she says like she's doing great she's on some new shit like and I think that's why it's telling that she just had those photos of her released um Mm. at dinner with J-Law a little no it wasn't with J-Law I heard it was with Jack no, Jennifer Lawrence tagged her in a Instagram. Oh, I thought that was somebody else. I thought somebody else was there and was like, oh my gosh, my birthday dinner and like tagged Taylor in it. 
Oh, like they were just at the restaurant at the same time, but it wasn't yeah. like together. Well, yeah. either way, either we know way. they were at dinner in the same vicinity. And Taylor obviously eats dinner often enough that she knows how to avoid paparazzi or whatever. Yes. She called him. But yeah, she was it's happy to get that, that like post-breakup glow out there. Yeah. <laughs> she went for that workout right after her and Calvin broke up. And she knew she can go in a freaking – she can hide in – in a suitcase and get out or in a janitorial case and get out (laughs) she called them tree called them she wanted to know like you said she's doing good she's on some new shit yeah well even like thinking of her like getting out of a car with like joe alwyn or whenever she's been seen previously it's like you know get out of there like fast as you can like absolutely as little time as possible yeah which, and this one, she was much more, like, unbothered. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that she can't be sad. I'm not saying that she's not sad. She might be. And that's understandable because a six-year car- uh, relationship is long. Career? Yeah, a career. <laughs> For Joe. <laughs> but it does seem like, you know, yeah, she seems like in a good space. And I think that comes from the fact that, again, she's 33 years old. This is a long relationship that probably just ran its course, which is sad, but not maybe as devastating as like being 19 and feeling mm-hmm. gaslit and confused about like, why isn't Jake Gyllenhaal coming to my birthday party, you know? Yeah. And she knows what she wants being a 33-year-old woman. So I think the past six years, yeah. they've evaluated their relationship where they're going in their life, where they want to be. And obviously yeah. it's not the right, the same path. And I yeah. also do wonder with his intense need for privacy, I know that she wanted that normal, normalcy, normalcy that like Joe had, but yeah. like that must just kind of just like throw a wrench in just who she is as a person. You know, she's right. not, she doesn't throw all of her garbage out there. You know, she keeps her side of the street clean, but I think she likes to have more of like a public facing image, right? You know, with Joe, I think she's really been the only one to give us any insight and interviews about their relationship, like accepting Grammy speeches, long pond studio session. Like he's more like, if we were married, I wouldn't tell you. If we were engaged, I wouldn't (laughs) tell you. On to the next question. Um, So maybe like, Everyone yeah. wants her to, you know, be dating Harry Styles or someone as equally as famous. But I'm, I'm interested in seeing what she's going to do next, not romantically, but career-wise. Yeah. She has her, her director debut coming out. You know, the next album, everyone wants it to be a breakup album. But I'm excited to see where she goes. I mean, goes. she's got a tour. She's got a three-month exactly. tour still exactly. to get through. Stop Four focusing. Months. But we know that she's probably working on her next era because yeah. we know that on concerts she's she's doing a lot of her writing in the downtime I did want to focus on one thing that people were um, you know speculating when Taylor Swift stepped out in the public and I think she did it on purpose and I think you know what I'm doing because I'm like touching my chest or my my little I don't know what this is called my clavicle uh, my clavicle so she had a necklace on and everyone was like oh I guess it was a necklace a little circular necklace on a chain Okay. Everyone was freaking out, being like, it's the necklace. This is her way of oh. confirming she's dating him. She's still with Joe. It's the necklace. But when you look at it, you can kind of see, like, dimension to it. It's circular, but it kind of looks like it's, like, engraved in or something's popped out, unlike the Tiffany's necklace, where it's just, like, a, a J. And, it'll, and the chain's a little bit shorter. And so I think purposely she wore that because it's like, hey, like, he's, like, you know, he's not – I don't belong to him. He doesn't belong to me. We're no longer together. But then she also had a butterfly on her pants too. So she kind of like threw in that little 
wink, wink, speak now, it's coming next. So it's very interesting <laughs> seeing like. Wait, I thought butterflies were lover. Um, no, isn't, or hold on. I don't think butterflies are lover. I thought like speak now was like butterfly-ish or debut was butterfly-ish. I don't know. I just I associate with lover. I'm but... too old for this um, I also saw people being like, OMG, Midnight Rain is actually about Joe. Like, Oh. Okay. What? So you brought up Midnight Rain, and we forgot to bring up the fact that the day the news broke, or the day after the news broke that they were broken up, someone released fuzzy footage of her yes. recording <laughs> in London, Liverpool, a music video, which we think is – vigilante shit and a lot of people are like a joey king is can be seen in a cat suit taylor can see be seen running away with like a a a suitcase and kind of like i feel like an older taylor look vibe and then taylor lautner is rumored to be in that music video too so when you said it might rain i thought Taylor, because that's what I think it's about. Yeah, no, so. I, yeah, because Taylor Lautner's wife is also obsessed with Taylor Swift. So yeah. it would be funny to have him pop up. Um, I Being don't. a vigilante as a werewolf. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, yeah, she's like looking very fearless in it too. But um, yeah. Yeah, I is. thought it was, it's like, I, I really don't think that this breakup has been in the works enough that any of the songs on Midnight's are influenced mm-hmm. by it, especially since if I was dumped and I had time to write a song about it and I put it on the album, I probably would cut the song that I co-wrote with my ex-boyfriend. You know what I mean? <laughs> nothing. So, so yeah. I'm going to say that that's my theory. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for a new video. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I also feel like yeah, there's just there was a lot happening this weekend that seems to it it just reeks of PR. It is like suddenly there's an I bet you think about me like the the wife of Miles Teller like posted a f- behind the scenes picture of them together for absolutely no reason. Who did that? <laughs> the Miles Teller uh oh. wife. Oh. And like I think yeah, so it just seems like there was a lot cooking to try and like mess up the news cycle so that just didn't become like this hovering cloud mm-hmm. but I do think people will be all eyes on Tampa to like see if she addresses it during the show how she like manages those sort of set list you know yeah set list changes or surprise songs people are like oh my gosh she's only saying sad songs about getting over a breakup on her surprise list so far because she did like clean and death by a thousand cuts and I don't mm-hmm. remember what the f- debut ones were, but it's like, I don't know if we need to like overanalyze. And I think that's sort of her message with like looking unbothered in New York tonight was just like, you know what, like guys, let's just please move on as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm doing fine. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> All eyes on her. That's yeah. What it is. Um, and in honor of that, I guess we, I thought it'd be good to cover track five you're on your own kid not sweet nothing not sweet nothing (laughs) but a little bit relevant Uh, a little dagger to the side if you will uh because taylor again is on her own but (laughs) that's her best life yeah um this has been obviously a beloved one if only because of its track five placement but a lot of critics loved it too um it peaked at, I think, number seven on the Billboard Top 10 and um, or Top 100. Everyone thinks it's great. Pitchfork called it radiant. 
NPR said it's gorgeous. The Guardian mm. call said it's filled with subtle and brilliant touches. And um, Slate thought it shows emotional acuity. <laughs> so good stuff all around. Yeah. How did you feel about this? I first listen versus now. I got goosebumps just listening to it for the first time. The way that she slowly builds up this tension with the the percussion beats and the that pop sound. It just mm-hmm. it it really fits it. And then when you listen to the lyrics, like it kind of like cuts you deep, especially like that bridge was amazing yeah um I liked it it was a very interesting it was not interesting it was a different track five yeah because a lot of track five except for I think like her last album or folklore have been all these like big heartbreaks and focusing on like other people this really like focused on her and her career and how she's overcome everything yeah it was sort of like taking the archer but setting it to i wish you would like it's a more upbeat version of the archer mm-hmm. um like it's there's something more hopeful and kind of like like you said kind of an overarching vision of her life and how she's feeling um unless like here's a single moment we're going to break down um it's it does like it's very easy to listen to it's a very mm-hmm. like chill beautiful song to kind of sink into it it reminded me of like I don't know it just takes you back to like high school or like you you're swept into these images of teen love and also like the the passing of time and it just feels like that sort of 90s teen comedy Mm -hmm. (laughs) like (laughs) title track or something um it's interesting that you say teen because a lot of the theories out on this one, more specifically in the bridge, but I see it throughout the song, is that she kind of goes over with like lyrics, her whole like discography, her whole yeah. album. So it's like lyrics within the song that like you can specifically point out like, oh, that's debut, that's reputation. And so she like really puts this song together with all these different themes and different Mm -hmm. eras really well, which fits Midnight's because she talks about how it's 13 sleepless nights of her career, which spans her discography and the eras that she's created. Well, and this is one of the tracks that I'm sure we'll talk about later, but this is one of those like Easter eggs that she hid in her New York uh, NYU um, commencement speech. Yes, yeah, she did. And she did a big chunk of it, like the whole refrain of like, oh, you, it's scary because you're on your own, kid, but guess what? You're on your own, kid. And I think it's like it's telling that that's the kernel of advice that she translated from her music to this speech to all these like young people setting off on this journey of their life and like her positioning and being like, oh, I don't know if you should take advice from me, which again is reflected in Dear Reader, which is another similar like, how do I give advice when I'm still like learning and how do people look up to me when I feel like I'm falling apart? And like this tension in Taylor feeling like she's a role model, but also doubting why. (laughs) And I think that the fact that this song, which I imagine was written first before the NYU speech, um, just the way she builds it in, it seems like it meant something to her to feel like it is this 
this kernel of advice and this this hopeful piece of of something she can give to people. And so I think that lens helps to lift the song from just like this woe is me, like not that the archer is woe is me, but there's definitely this more plaintive, like really depressed. The the music, the melody, like it's like that it's very depressed and it it really fits with the the other track five sound wise. This one, it's like it builds you up, and yes, you get goosebumps, and maybe you you shed a tear or two because you're thinking about what she's gone through, but also what you've gone through. But then, like at the very end, you're like, "Oh yes, yeah. okay, I'm on my own. It's yeah. me, but it that's the best thing. Like, yeah, it just like leaves you upbeat. Yeah, it has that same crescendo effect where there's not like a rise and fall. There's just this like build, build." as the archer but instead of just being like Will you love me it's like okay guys like deep breath we can do this like let's get to it and um it's, it's really like soft and simple and kind of like perfect for yeah. what's going on because yeah she talks about here that she's like you know she's waiting for that guy she's waiting for the perfect kiss to save her and then she realizes she's her own savior and so I love it for this week too I'm glad we hadn't gone over the <laughs> yeah. song it's just like perfect it's better than sweet yeah. nothings Yeah. So um, let's get into it. Verse one. Summer went away. Still the yearning stays. I play it cool with the best of them. I wait patiently. He's going to notice me. It's okay. We're the best of friends anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like this because, again, like it just like places you right there. You're with like this teeny bopper Taylor, you know, the summer went away. Still the yearning stays. It, It puts you in that like, oh, new school year, like you're in this like schoolyard image that's giving summer loving from Greece where you're like, oh, does this guy, is he going to acknowledge me or is it like mm-hmm. over? Like I'll wait patiently. It's okay. We're just friends. Like, and I like that she ends with anyway. Like it's like, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm fine. It's chill. Like mm-hmm. no big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, in this verse, I see two of her, her album. So summer run away, still yearning stays, says that's Tim McGraw because she, you know, her first mm-hmm. single, the one that put her out there. And I was right there beside him all summer long. And then we woke up to find that summer gone. Oh, and cute. then Yeah. And then, of course, everyone is like slapping your face. I wait patiently. He's going to notice me. It's okay. We're the best of friends. Fearless. You belong with me. Been here all along. Yeah. All along. So why can't you see? You belong with me. You belong with me. I know. <laughs> so good. It is like very much like a you belong with me. Like that's what I thought of when she first – when I first heard this. Like it's like it's that exact image of like, yeah, you're – the unrequited love, this like teenage romance just obsessing over this. Um, And she says, I hear it in your voice. You're smoking with your boys. I touch my phone as if it's your face. I didn't choose this town. I dream of getting out. There's just one who could make me stay all my days. Which I think is also funny because usually when you think like when you read like Taylor Swift's wiki page or you're like thinking about Taylor Swift, you're like, oh, and she moved to Nashville and she freaking figured it out. And it's like that's where her life starts. Mm -hmm. So I like that she starts this song in like this earlier era where she's like, guys, I was a kid before this. Like I was just a, a, you know, girl pining for Drew or whatever in the school hallways like – I didn't have any inkling that being this Taylor Allison Swift, this superstar, was in my future, at least at first. Like, that wasn't something I was worried about. I was worried about, like, 
why is this boy ignoring me on this phone call? Like, doesn't he want me to? Like, I would stay for him. Like, I'm not that happy here. I have like some dreams, maybe some inklings of something, but like, man, if he would just look at me, like <laughs> I'd stay all my days. <laughs> And I read that a little bit differently because I'm thinking of an era, eras I hear in your voice, you're smoking with your boys, touch my phone as it fits your face. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that last line can go into two different eras for me, but I hear it in your voice, you're smoking with your boys. John Mayer is very, very like vocal. Everyone knows he smokes weed. Like mm. he went from like alcohol to weed. So he's definitely a smoker. So I, I, that to me, I'm like, okay, if I'm looking at it in like Right. That those lines, that's going to be speak now. And then I didn't choose this town. I dream of getting out. I can kind of see that fitting red Taylor Swift Mm. because she's trying to get out of the country scene. Like she didn't specifically choose this. There just wasn't, there was more of a opening for female country artists to go there. And, you know, throughout her, the last three albums, she really wanted to change things up. So she kind of wanted to get out of this town, this, uh, the bubble of hmm. a country, and I not I touch my phone as it's your face. That can fit with John Mayer, how like they broke up, or that can fit with like you know Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, I mean, Joe Jonas, famous twenty seven phone call, twenty seven yeah. second phone call. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I like I I like the idea of this song touching on different eras. I feel like this first verse still like sits in that like kind of pre famous. Mm-hmm. area for me um because it does just seem like I didn't choose this town like yeah it seems like she's about to choose the town she wants like yeah. going to Nashville or whatever well, but then, but then you think she goes to New York in 1989 and that's where yeah. she's kind of settled and then I, I kind of feel like with her first albums all the way up to Red it was really about there's just one thing that can make me stay all my days and you think about boys and you think for first those first four albums she was really like focused on, you know, that fairy tale love, and then then she has this heartbreak in red, and then in 1989 she really embraces being single and being with her her friends and kind of just like going into a new new city, New York. That's where she really really finds herself and like where she wants to fit into her career. Yeah, I guess in the um, it kind of builds here into the chorus where she says um from sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes i waited ages to see you there i searched the party of better bodies just to learn that you never cared you're on your own kid you always have been and that still to me like feels like that high school moment where you're like you know you're at the dance and the the crowd breaks and you see your crush dancing with someone else and you're like oh shit like that's so sad and i feel like um the the sprinkler splashes flashes to fireplace ashes is this perfect like synergy imagery where it's like the summer to fall you know playing outside in the sun to sitting by your fireplace and watching it you know fizzle out but Mm -hmm. also this like innocence and this childhoodness and heading into this loss and this heartbreak of like the imagery of ash to ashes and ashes we go Mm -hmm. um and I think it's just like this nice poetic kind of breath where she's like, oh, I thought you, I thought these little friends, these little groups, this little high school would be like everything to me. But now I had to learn this hard truth that you didn't care. And like, what Mm -hmm. am I going to do now? Yeah. I kind of see that as like the relationship she's had, you know, she had that like big breakup with 
with Jake Gyllenhaal, which I know was just span of a few short months, but she still was like totally in love and, and her whole worth. What, from what it seems like from listening to red is kind of like attached to this man. It's like, Oh, I learned that you never cared. They never cared. Yeah. Yeah. Like sort of like, Oh, I waited at my birthday party for you to come, yeah. but you never showed. <laughs> no, you don't care. <laughs> and I do think it bleeds into her, <clears throat> you know, her early um, aesthetic of like having mm-hmm. this like girl waiting for the guy, always dreaming of her Romeo to her Juliet, like mm-hmm. wanting this happily ever after, this romanticizing of a relationship. Um, and that carries through the – Second verse where she says, um, I see the great escape, so long Daisy May. I picked the petals, he loves me not. Something different bloomed, writing in my room. I play my songs in the parking lot, I'll run away. And I guess this is where it pivots to her musical career because like Mm -hmm. she's laying it out for us where she's like, oh, I play my songs in the parking lot. Like that's where she got her start. And like that's where she realized a bigger dream of hers where she's like, oh, now she has to find the great escape. Now she's saying goodbye to Daisy May, which is like this little Abner comic about a a girl who's like always pining for the main character and he never returns the feelings back. Mm-hmm. And And so it feels like it's this moment in her youth where she's like, oh, something different bloomed. Like I found an exit without this little boy crush I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of see this as like this whole verse is kind of dedicated to like 1989 because like you said, Daisy May pining after this guy, Daisy May is kind of like a nice and obedient girl, does everything she's told so she can like get that guy. And I'm kind of seeing here, she's like something different bloomed, you know, her pop album, her mm-hmm. first 1989 pop album. Um, you know, like she did start by playing country songs in the parking lot, but now she's she's doing something different and she's no longer being that, that good girl for her record label. They didn't want to put out a pop album. They were really afraid of, you know, red, red didn't do as well as she hoped with the Grammys. And so I'm sure her team was like, okay, let's go back to country. Let's go back to country. And she's like, no, this is like, something's different. I'm writing some other stuff. Like I'm not going to be that person who's just going to be your perfect country starlet. So what about, so when you, I'm like interested in these connections, but then what do you think of the playing my songs in the parking lot? Like, Oh, that's what I'm saying. It kind of like reflects on like where she started. She's no longer going to be that country girl who's, you know, okay. she's not where she started. Yeah. She's like growing it up. Yeah. She's running away. I see. Yeah. So um, similar to the next verse I mean chorus from sprinklers flashes to fireplace ashes I call a taxi to take me there I search the party of better bodies just to learn that my dreams aren't rare you're on your own kid you always have been I think this one really like struck me because it does feel like you you reach this point in your adulthood where you're like oh I'm not special like all that time my parents said like oh you're one in a million you can do anything you're so special (laughs) it's like you have this moment we're not like you're crushed but you're just like oh like my dreams aren't rare. Like other people want the same things. Like other mm-hmm. people are competing with me for the same like position, role, like major, whatever it is, that it's just kind of like this wake up call. And I think it's interesting that she, you know, mirrors this like 
originally her hurt was you don't like me and now as she gets older her hurt is like oh what if I'm not good enough like what if Mm -hmm. I what if this is a reflection on me not you like what if there's something that's going to stop me from getting what I want because why should I get it when other people don't exactly and she she kind of like shows her growth and her maturity and like puts you in that different times Space because you know from sprinkler splashes of fireplace ashes that's like the symbolizing of like time going but then she changes that I called a taxi to take me here and just to learn that my dreams are rare whereas in the other one is I waited ages to see you there just to learn you never cared so she's definitely like putting in that moment of like she's made it big she's like as big she's on top of the world where she's you know she's never been higher and you know maturity she can take herself to these places it's no longer you know, she has that control. But then, like you said, there's like, she's at this like Hollywood party. There's a million other girls who want to climb up that Taylor ladder and just like kick her off. Another young thing to take her spot. Yeah. I like this as a 1989 reference, I guess. The taxi to New York, that big change Mm -hmm. for her. And then I feel like if we're yeah, I just going down my theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I I do feel like I'm seeing. Yeah, it just feels like more because then the music here takes this little like instrumental break, and this mm-hmm. like synth comes up, and that feels like very reminiscent of her change to pop and her flip there, yeah. and like yeah. how the music is building and building, just like her career was building and building. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she comes right back to like there's not another verse there's just this other chorus like it's almost like that instrumental was meant to show that was meant to stand in as that verse it's like you guys know what happens like I go big I get big you know it's like (laughs) freeze frame I guess you're wondering how I got here um (laughs) and then she tells us like from sprinkler splashes (laughs) to fireplace ashes I gave my blood sweat and tears for this I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. The jokes weren't funny. I took the money. My friends from home don't know what to say. I looked around in a blood-soaked gown, and I saw something they can't take away. Do you want me to read the rest or stop there? Okay. Because there were pages turned with the bridges burned. Everything you lose is a step you take. So make the friendship bracelets. Take the moment and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. It just like really crescendos, and it's really like – frantic almost like there's this viscerality to it where you're just like boom 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 Mm -hmm. like every image matters but they almost feel disparate where it's not like chronological like here's what happened it's more like oh remember this oh my gosh that hurt oh why did this happen why am I like you feel like you're up at midnight with her like just revisiting every like past moment and like trying to sort through what was good and what was not and like finally acknowledging like you know what it was all good it was all good enough because it brought me here mm-hmm. and I survived it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because this bridge is what people specifically said took you through all the eras. And looking at this bridge, I like, I really couldn't put a finger on the earlier mm-hmm. eras in here. Everyone's like, oh, this, this, I don't know if it's a chorus or a bridge. Um, I'm calling it a bridge because it really like takes you. To yeah. places yeah um but I couldn't I couldn't really be like oh that's debut that's this that's this but I did see you know I've already taken you all the way up to 1989 we talked <laughs> okay, about perfect. that 
and through here I see like reputation from like, I gave my blood, sweat and tears for this. Like, you know, throughout this whole time, like the backstory, she's like fighting for her masters, but then I hosted parties, starved my body. And then she goes on to say, I took the money. Um, I looked around in a blood soaked gown that puts you right in like the Met Gala where she hosted that. Um, you know, she, you know, the jokes weren't funny. Everyone was talking about, you know, what she did, you know, the, the, the infamous uh, Kanye and Kim, they re- they released the, the video. Everyone's like, RIP Taylor. And then, you know, they takes you to the rep era. I took the money, getaway car, put the money in the bag, and I stole the keys. That was the last time you ever saw me. My friends from home don't want to say. I look around in a blood-soaked gown. She's like, she's wearing that, you know, similar to Carrie. She's like, her her bullies, her the people who are going against her have tarred her have, you know, <laughs> yeah. put blood all over her. People are just staring at her like she's some kind of freak. And then she looked at something that they can't take away. And that takes you into like the era, the lover era, because there are pages turned and bridges burned. You can think about folklore and evermore where she just wrote all of it. And then it brings you right back to the nights with so make the friendship bracelets, take the moments and taste it. You've got no reason to be afraid. Like she took herself all the way up through this. She survived. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, no, I mean, I like it. I, I guess it's more, I'm just processing it because for yeah. me, it felt more like, like I've seen people be like, oh, blood so gown. It's such a carry reference. Yeah. yeah. But I really feel like it's a more, the, the themes of this song to me that stand out are like, is basically like this from sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears for this. Mm -hmm. And so she's walked us through the tears. You know, this boy dumped her. She walked us through the sweat. Um, She had to work and realize like, oh, I'm not going to get this just because I want it. And she gave her blood. And then she goes in to list like what it cost her. You know, she hosted parties. She starved her body. Like, oh, she should be on top of the world. She's the one who's in the power position, being able to invite all this gaggle of girls, all these beautiful people, all these wonderful relationships. Mm -hmm. But at the heart of it, she's still like starving her body like she she's waiting for that that she perfect kiss to save her she wants yeah. to feel like she fits in like she's still carrying that same mentality from the first yeah. verse from her childhood where she's like oh I, I I'm just trying to fit in like I play it cool with the best of them but the yearning stays I'm just waiting 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 for someone to make me happy um and then the jokes weren't funny I took the money that feels like more broadly about her career at large like thinking Mm -hmm. about all the punchlines all these like oh watch out taylor swift might date your son like Mm -hmm. i and she's like doing all these skits on snl she's doing all these like promo stuff where she's like well if you're if you don't want me to write a song about you don't be bad like she's putting in easter eggs to let people Mm -hmm. like dig through it to like parse out her personal life which now as an adult she's admitting like well i actually you know my advice to you is like to keep some secrets like yeah and yeah. I think that's like this trigger point where she's like the jokes weren't funny but I did benefit from them like I took yeah. that money I was willing to sell myself out to reach this peak and so it's almost this like image of her clawing through this mountain where she's like people don't know what to say they can't relate to this like there's mm-hmm. absolutely no one on planet earth who understands what it's like to be Taylor Swift because like you know, it could be the fake friends abandoning her during 2016. It could be the people back home being like, this girl doesn't have a 
this girl doesn't have a you know accent but suddenly she's all like country or <laughs> yeah. how how did this go I went on a date with Taylor when I was in junior high she's a real bitch like you know like it's like yeah, people 13 are still, year old. <laughs> yeah people are still like they don't know what to say because they don't know her anymore yeah. and even her real longest running friends maybe they felt like she lost herself maybe they're like wait what's happening like why are you going mm-hmm. along with this why are you laughing at this And then she looks around in her blood-soaked gown. And it's not because she's the victim. It's not because, like, oh, woe is me. People, like, bullied me. Like, Carrie is Mm -hmm. about a school sadistically torturing a (laughs) child. during the reputation. Well, it happened throughout her whole whole career. But, like, for reputation, that's where I'm kind of, like, getting that light, like, came to, like, the the peak of, like, people just being, like. I get it. I just think there's more ownership happening here where she's, like, Yes, I was betrayed, backstabbed, whatever, but also I was clawing my way (laughs) through to this finish line and I gave my blood for this. Like Mm -hmm. I I gave up things to get here. And Mm -hmm. like maybe people are judging me for it. Maybe people have wondered like why I got why this was worth it. But then she sees what they can't take away and it's her accomplishments, it's her growth, it's Mm -hmm. her strength, it's her own understanding of like how badly she wanted this and I think I think there is a sense of feeling wounded there is a sense of betrayal of being like hurt Mm -hmm. but there's also this reminder of like I I made choices along the way that maybe weren't good for me and she, it reminds me of that Miss Americana scene where she's like, I won the Grammy. And I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you should be so happy. Oh, my gosh, you should be so thrilled. But I looked around and I was just alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's this, like, mirror image here where she's like, oh, like, taking stock of what the blood, sweat, and tears were. Mm-hmm. But then being like, you know what? There's so much about me that they can't take away and I won't be let to feel like you know, Taylor Swift is over or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there is definitely imagery here about that sort of like public lashing and that, that loss that she faced, not only with like reputation, but like losing her masters and like whatever. But she's like, the thing that gave me hope, it wasn't the boy finally liking me. It wasn't the friends finally accepting me. It wasn't this love story making me look whole. It was, I I survived. I like made it. And so mm-hmm. then that yeah. like builds. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I am not. I'm not trying to butt in anywhere. I'm like genuinely taking this in and agreeing and humming <laughs> my life away because I'm right there with you. Yeah. It's just like crescendoing in my mind. Like it really it's like, is. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. It's like, it's like where Taylor's taking me in the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's where that like, release finally happens is like because there are pages turned with bridges burned everything you lose is a step you take and I think that's her realization for her is like this was a brutal fight like this was the fight of my life good and bad and ugly and some of it my fault some of it your fault all of it messy but she's like "Uh, I wouldn't change it because like everything you lose is a step you take like that's a beautiful way to be like you know what it's just about the journey like it's like there's a lot to be sad. There's a lot to mourn, but like even that little high school heartbreak, whatever it was, like it drove you here. Mm-hmm. And I like that she kind of throws in this sort of random line where she's like, so make the friendship bracelets. <laughs> Cause when I first listened to it, I was like, 
what? <laughs> like, why? Like, there was no allusion to this before. She hadn't even really been singing about friendship before this. But I think it, like, ties into this idea that there's so much that we write off as childish and so much that we think isn't worth our time that we have to keep hustling. We have to keep fighting. Like, there's got to be go, 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 go. But she's like – you have to savor these moments, like take the moment and taste it. Like just Mm -hmm. stop and smell the roses, like enjoy the little things, even the childish things, even those little moments that people think don't matter are things that do matter because they, they build you up so that you can continue on, you know? Um, and I think it's like, it's nice that she starts in such a childlike place with this little like high school imagery of summertime love, summertime romance. And she brings us back to that with this like make the friendship bracelets. Like so much of our youth, so much of our growing pains are wasted on wanting to be somewhere else. And she's like, you know what they can't take away are these moments where I was able to like treasure the detail and like really enjoy this journey. Um and I think that's, yeah, why she just kind of ends with this. There's this big crescendo. There's something hopeful. The music becomes uplifting. And then she repeats this mantra for us, which is, you're on your own, kid. Yeah, you can face this. You're on your own, kid. You always have been. Mm-hmm. Which on its surface level is a pretty depressing, like, message. <laughs> like, you're like, oh. like, that's not, that's always something that's kind of sad sounding. But when she says it here, it's like empowering. It mm-hmm. is that commencement speech it is that reminder that like it might be scary but it's also exciting and everything you've done before proves that you can do whatever's coming at you next and so I think it's like she's able to change and kind of flip that phrase on its head where instead of being like oh everyone's coming for you you're like you're the you're the prey you know it's you gotta find somewhere to hide you gotta run 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 it's like no like take a breath Mm-hmm. And be at peace because you'll be able to survive this. And I think yeah. that's like a really beautiful message. It is. And it's just fitting for where she is right now and everyone thinking that she's going through this heartbreak and poor Taylor, poor Taylor. It's like Taylor can survive this. Yeah. She'll be fine. She's not dead. Like, no, <laughs> you no, know? Not and that's not to diminish heartbreak. And I don't think she diminishes it here because no. she sings about hard truths. Like, I starved my body and thought I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. Like that's a really brutal reflection on how we harm ourselves sometimes and how society like trains us to like analyze these better bodies, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I think she's saying like, yeah, there'll be hard times and you'll be sad and you'll be covered in blood and bruises and sweat and tears. But like that's why you have to treasure what you do have and like realize that you can can get through it too. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And that's that's our Sunday service on this Easter weekend. (laughs) We got a lot of Easter eggs apparently this weekend. So Taylor is risen. (laughs) Well, that I love a track five and I love this hopeful track five. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like a sleeper hit for me, but it's Mm -hmm. it's always pleasant when it comes on. Yeah. And she hasn't played it at tour. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm wondering if she's going to put it into a bonus song or two. I'm excited for that because I love the, you know, just for everyone to be screaming, you know, 
I gave my blood, sweat, and tears from this. I hosted parties. Like I can just imagine just everyone screaming it at the top of their lungs. Yeah. Oh, oh, Taylor. Yeah. I like don't know where to go from here now. I'm kind of just like. (laughs) Well, I realized I forgot our questions. I didn't. I we really talked about the Easter eggs. We probably have the same favorite Taylor's line. What's your Um, favorite Taylor line? I think it's the I, – I, I do think I was stunned when she said, I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. Yeah. I think that's like encapsulates so much of her struggle and what she admitted in Reputation and what she's been processing from those yeah. later albums. is like she presented this really perfect self, but it was like absolute turmoil underneath. Yeah, and it really ties really closely into – everything you lose is a step you take like it's like she lost herself in that moment to fame and trying to keep up with everybody but then that step she took yeah like it's just that she took to where she is now yeah and I do love the image of from sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes like I think it's really just like a beautiful duality of like summer to fall passing a time but also Mm -hmm. this like aging and this the the rise from childhood to adulthood is like so there's like this part of us that has to mourn that loss you know and Mm -hmm. I think that's why like weird things on TikTok go viral like oh my gosh look at us aging oh my gosh look at this uh my (laughs) chat my five-year-old lives in me or whatever that trend was like it's like there's this kind of like mourning about you don't know what you have till it's gone and like Mm -hmm. this simplicity of that sprinkler splashes and now now we're we're more digging through these like fireplace ashes and hoping there's something that can grow from it. So, we've heard all the praise. What would you give this song as a grade? I think I'd give it an A. Me too. I think I would love to sit down and like ask her exactly what she means with like mm-hmm. blood soaked gown or or mm-hmm. even this like so long Daisy me. Like I want to know her thought process behind it yeah. especially that like second verse I think mm-hmm. but I think it's a good song I think it's great yeah no wrong answer <laughs> people like to analyze the song that fits them in their lifestyle yeah easter eggs for me yeah exactly <laughs> and reality for you <laughs> <laughs> no no I mean I definitely do think she highlights her her eras here mm-hmm. I just maybe saw them differently scattered differently yeah, yeah. But exactly. I like that, especially the uh, the first bit. Um, I I forget about debut, so I always love when someone reminds me of the lyrics. Yeah. Well, I also, you know, l- just listened to Tim McGraw live. Oh, yeah, you're ago. right. So you're right. right on my <laughs> <laughs> but I think the next time you're seeing Taylor is the day before I see Taylor um, in Houston. So we'll go back to Texas yeah. where um, Mama Swift is – you know, lived it's from so it'll be fun to kind of take a full circle there and get back to my my country roots in Your texas roots, yeah and then we'll you didn't choose this town but <laughs> you me. got out <laughs> i did get out um <laughs> regrettably sometimes when it's yeah. snowing um but you guys you can find us on our instagram account swiftish podcast find us on twitter swiftish pod 13 email us um you know swiftish podcast at gmail.com and if you want to see shelby's really great new haircut that is screaming 1989 i think it might be an easter egg we also are on patreon swiftish podcast but until next time i'm ashley and i'm shelby and taylor you're on your own kid (laughs) 
<laughs> so you can pay. So, 